live from the Charlie Pete Studios, this is the Ellen Taylor Show. I cannot believe we're here. The Ellen Taylor Show, the official premiere of the slightly not suitable for work show for the person who's just sick and tired of keeping it together all the time. This is your escape, your reassurance that perception isn't always reality and that nobody knows what the heck it is that they're doing. My name is Ellen Taylor. It feels so good to be back in your ears, on your screens. If you're listening to this, you're like, wait, what do you mean on my screen? This, of course, is available anywhere podcasts are heard. And video, you can watch me. This is not only fans, I promise. You can watch me up on YouTube. Apparently, Spotify is going to be able to start um, including videos on their podcasts. Spotify is a little problematic at the moment, but we are just going to go with it. Hello. Welcome to the Ellen Taylor Show. I, wow. It will be almost two years to the day since I have been on the air, at least professionally. And wow, what a... a insane two years it has been for all of us right panorama life and I feel like in order to talk about where it is that we're going to go we first need to realize and think about and acknowledge what it took for us to get here okay um first and foremost I want to tell you that we're gonna be spilling some tea yeah I said it we're gonna be spilling some tea because I'm signing my own checks now, okay? Not that I have ever been filtered or not myself. I mean, everyone talks about, oh, you gotta be real. No, but really, I'm real, probably to a fault. But when you work for somebody and you work for a company, you do obviously think about what it is that you are and aren't going to say because you don't wanna get fired. (laughs) So now that I am... Signing my own checks, not really signing my own checks because I mean, I, I ain't rich. If you want to support the show, go to ellentaylor.com. You can support there. I think anchor.fm slash the Ellen Taylor show. There's a support button there, whatever it is. I'll try and make it easy for you. And, and again, in the future, ellentaylor.com, that's your home base for everything about the show, anything that you need. But um, yeah, now that it's just me, I, I don't really worry about being fired because I guess I'm the only one that can fire myself. You know, it's fun. I cannot wait to spill the tea. And with that being said, um, I thought a lot about what the Ellen Taylor show was going to be. Hold on. I didn't even call it the Ellen Taylor show. I said, I need to do something to give me life again. I am a three on the Enneagram. If you follow the Enneagram, it is fascinating. You know, I am a three. That might not be surprising to you if you're like, what the heck is an Iowa? Uh, Google it, or I am sure we will talk about it in another episode, not this one. But um, I am very much <laughs> focused and I, I live my life around work. And so with everything that's happened, especially since, since losing Charlie, which is a year ago today, I said, I need to get back into doing something, into doing work, into doing something meaningful. And I thought about, okay, I'm going to do a podcast. Well, what am I going to call it? And I was like, I'm the show. I don't need a co-host. I don't need anybody else. I can introduce my friends. We can have guest co-hosts on, sure. But why am I going to give my show an indistinguishable name? Because side note, I started a business 
Charlie Pete and I didn't put my name on it because I was worried that people weren't going to like me. <laughs> and I thought, stop it, Ellen. Because you know what? If I was a dude, I would have already had my own show with my own name on it. You know what? It's true. It's true. Hold on. Wait, wait. I got a new toy over here too. If I, were a boy, I would have already had a show. Because like if I did act like a boy, I would have already had my own show. So instead of sitting around and waiting for an old white guy who wants to explain to me what women want to listen to, give me my own show. I am going to give it to my damn self. All right. So here we go. The Ellen Taylor show. And I am not going to be apologetic about being the show. In fact, one of my mantras for you is to remember in whatever capacity it is that you are the show. I want you to even say that to yourself. I'm the show. I'm not saying you need to have your own podcast. Although I feel like there are so many people who have podcasts now. It's kind of like CrossFit. Like, oh, everyone's got their own bucks. Everyone's got their own podcast. And that's also why I stopped myself from starting a podcast sooner. Because I'm like, I'm a professional. And, and instead, I stopped myself from doing what it is that I actually like doing. So again, here we are. I'm hoping that you follow this show because you find it relatable, okay? When you think about who it is that you follow online on Instagram, you follow them for one of two reasons. Either they're motivational or you can relate to them. I don't describe myself as motivational. No. Do I want to be motivating? Absolutely. But I can't be motivational because, again, I don't know what I'm doing. And with this show and with the stories that I can now tell you, without fear of getting fired, you will realize what it is that, you know, a lot of us are able to overcome when you actually hear the backstory, right? It, it, to the outside world, things seem perfect and easy and, and we got it all together. But I'm hoping that you realize now that nobody does. And if you need that reminder, I'll give you plenty of them. And so I'm hoping that this show will be motivating because you realize that you're not alone in a cheesy sense, right? But also, it ain't just you that's dealing with some stupid shit and nonsense, right? We're all doing this. And in order to be relatable, which is something that I take a lot of pride in, you need to be vulnerable. So here we go. We're going to start off with being vulnerable and sharing why I left Seattle, which includes also why I left the TV station. Why did I leave my TV job? Why did I leave the city that I consider home? We have to rewind to the beginning of 2020, okay? My TV contract was set to expire the beginning of March, and I was anxious for a couple of different reasons. One, my beloved boss, my mentor, this woman who I think so highly of, the woman who made my dreams come true, she gave me the opportunity to be on television. She had just left the TV station for a job in Los Angeles. And when I was doing TV, I was doing something that not a lot of people do in the news sense, right? News is very serious, unbiased, you know, and Erica... Again, Erica. Um, Erica saw my personality and said, hey, we need to bring this realness to local television, but also there's an opportunity to make some money here, right? Because um, 
for example, a main news anchor can't be going out to restaurants and businesses because then it might seem like, oh, well, they're supporting this business. And, and again, they need to remain very unbiased. But because I am not a journalist, I give so much credit to journalists. Uh, I am not one. I will not. Yeah, I am not one. I'm a personality. So it was easy for Erica to send me out to places in the community, highlighting these different things. And then after the news, if places wanted to buy advertising, I could go out and interview them and then they would air those during commercial breaks, right? Because at the end of the day, television and radio or whatever it might be is a business and we need to keep the lights turned on, right? So with all of my years in radio, I was a professional at being able to intertwine a commercial with actual content, right? So we saw the vision, her and I, we knew it. And I was doing something, especially in Seattle, that nobody else was doing and one that I was very proud of. And I loved doing literally my job description. It, it was have fun. When she left, my ally was gone and it was an uphill battle for a couple of different reasons. Um, there wasn't a, a news director that was named after her. It was a bunch of managers that were all kind of clamoring to be the next news director. And I felt like a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them wanted to put me in a box, right? Like if they could slay Ellen Taylor, if they could turn Ellen Taylor into this cookie cutter reporter, then wow, it would look really good on their, not on their resume, because I'm not that big of a deal, but it would look really good for them as in like, wow, they can handle and rein in talent, which is of course a, something that you need if you are a manager in television, because a lot of talent can be unruly. I don't think I am, but whatever. So a lot of people try to put me into a box and a, a box that one was not my job. And two was one that I didn't want to be in at all. I was like, I got hired to do X. Why am I going to try and do Y? It also didn't make sense in my brain because I am very much a, I need to do what's right. And what was right was to do the job that I got hired for, right? The situation had changed and I was still trying to hang on to doing the job that I had been hired to do, which again, fast forward, uh, after March, 2020, the job that I was doing, there was no room for that anymore. So, but we didn't know that at the time. I was also due for a raise and I took a pay cut to go into television. So from radio to television, I took a pay cut because you don't get your first big opportunity in television in a major market. You work your way up. And I knew that that was an exception. I had definitely worked my way up on the radio side, but you know, the general manager wanted to see if I could actually do it. So I took a pay cut to go to television. I signed only a two-year deal. They wanted it a little bit longer. I said, nope, we're going to do a two-year deal. I'm going to take a little bit less money, and then I'm going to show you what I got. But know that in two years, we're going to need to have a conversation, right? Um, and with my news director, Erica, leaving, I, I think, again, there was nobody really there to say that was in the trenches with me that that saw the value that I had that could speak up for me um, to the general manager to the person who actually did approve the budget approve the, the contracts and things like that so I was having my contract negotiations with the general manager at the time she is no longer there and 
<laughs> I remember sitting in her office and she was like, okay, um, remind me again, when, when do we have you on? I was on her morning show Monday through Friday from 6, no, I'm sorry, my first hit was at, yeah, 6.20, um, from 6 to 10 a.m. A month after I got to Q13, our morning show went to number one for 14 straight months. Do I think that was all me? Absolutely not. But all of the pieces were there, okay? And I was a part of that piece, or a part of that show. I was a piece of that show. And this woman, the woman at the top, had no idea when I was on her airwaves. I was coming in for a contract negotiation, and she didn't know when I was on. And she was offering me not even a cost of living increase in raise. And she said, well, I, I don't know what, you know, what verbal agreements you had with anybody else, but no, 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 this, this is what it is. And so <laughs> how can you, how can I respect a manager who doesn't even take the time to even assess what it is that their employee is doing and then assign a monetary value to it. To her, I felt like I was just a number. I was a tick on the budget. And y'all know me well enough to know that that is not how I operate. And the second that it was made very clear that I was not valued was the second I knew I am out. I am out. And it was easy to walk away, not because it was my dream job, because um, that made it hard. I always thought that I would be on TV, and I never thought that I would actually get the chance to be on TV, but I did. Um, it was easy to walk away because, one, I wasn't valued, and, two, there was a situation that was happening that I wasn't very public about. I still haven't been. I think I only acknowledged it once in my Why I'm Temporarily Retiring video that I put out on YouTube shortly after I left, and that was I had for all intents and purposes, a, a stalker. And every time I was going out the last couple of months during my time at the TV station, there was a bodyguard with me. And that made me feel a lot of things. So I was being, I was being forced to feel some type of way because now not only was there a need for a budget for me as a talent, but there was a budget for security. Not because it was my fault, but anyways. So I thought, it is time for me to go. I also had this feeling in my gut. My apartment lease was up literally three days after my contract was set to be due. And I said, you know what? This seems like a perfect time to just, why don't we just pack it all up? And we're going to go back to Michigan for a couple of weeks. We're going to visit, get some R&R because my cup was empty. Oh, my cup was empty. And I, I laugh thinking about that now because <laughs> in comparison to what's happened now, and then my cup was not even close to being empty. But in my head, my, my reality at the time, right, was that my cup was empty. I needed some R&R. I was just going to go back to Michigan for a couple of weeks. The plan at first was to maybe buy a condo in Seattle because, again, I didn't want to leave Seattle. But I didn't have a job. I was leaving my job at the TV station. I couldn't get a loan. So why don't I just pack it up, reassess. It'll be good. It'll be an adventure. No problem. And I am confident still to this day, I am confident that I would have been able to find a new gig, whether that was in Seattle and radio at another television station, because a lot of them called, um, or in a new city. I was open to it. I said, universe, just give me whatever it is that you have planned for me. And Lord did it. <laughs> just not in the way that I had thought or I had wanted. Because um, as confident as I was, no one could have predicted what happened in March of 2020, which was obviously the beginning um, of the pandemic. 
My dad was supposed to fly out to Seattle to drive back with me. And obviously, working at the television station, I was very aware of what we now know as COVID, right? Um, And what was happening, especially since, right, it took over Seattle first, Kirkland, which I, of all the places that I lived in Seattle, Kirkland will always be my home. Um, So my sister and I said, my sister who also lives in Seattle, we decided that maybe it wasn't a good idea for dad to fly out to Seattle and that I would drive with Charlie um, by myself five days across the country. I swore I would never do that drive again because uh, when I first got hired in December of 2011 at the radio station, I drove, me and my sister and Charlie, we drove from Michigan to Seattle, and I swore that I would never do that again. But again, we were not expecting a pandemic, so here we are. Me and my little Charlie in a U-Haul are driving across the country. The day before I got home, I had stopped in Milwaukee, and I was eating my Uber Eats or whatever the heck of that it was, just really, I needed one more day and I was going to be home one more day. And that was the night that they had canceled the NCAA tournament and that Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson had said, Hey, we caught COVID coronavirus, whatever the heck it was called at the time. So at this point, I really felt like I was outrunning the plague. I could not get home fast enough. And I did on March 13, I pulled up, I was going to stay with my mom for a couple of weeks. My dad lives about an hour away and you know, it was, it was going to be fine. It was going to be fine. COVID was going to last two weeks. We're going to be okay. Um, before I could really grasp what was happening with COVID. So again, mind you, March 13, I get back to Grand Rapids. March 23rd, my dad had a stroke. He hadn't answered his phone, which was very odd. And, you know, everyone on the news was like, hey, like if you've got loved ones, you know, elderly, whatever, like maybe you should go to the grocery store for them. So I thought I would go and get my dad some groceries. Not that he's elderly. I mean, I don't see my dad or my parents as elderly, but I was like, yeah, I can do it better for me to go than them. Right. And he didn't answer the phone. And I thought that was odd. And I, I was like, I'm going to go check on him. And I knocked on the door and I knocked and I knocked and I knocked and it was weird. It was the middle of the day and he opened the door and, and half of his face was, was drooping. And I think subconsciously I knew what was going on, but I was trying to reason and talk myself out of it. I was like, no, maybe he got bit by a spider. Literally. I thought maybe he got bit by a spider while he was sleeping. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. What the heck is he doing sleeping? This is all unusual, right? I'm like, okay, like what groceries do you need? And he's very like confused. And I go to the grocery store and I call my friend who is a PM&R doctor, a doctor who takes care of stroke patients. And I explained to her what's going on. She said, Ellen, take him to the hospital right now. And I took him to the hospital and we were greeted at the entrance to the hospital with a police officer and a nurse who was in head to toe, right? Like gear. Because the beginning of the pandemic, right? We didn't know. And I tried to use the card that like, oh, well, my dad can't speak English. And so I need to be in there with him. And they said, nope, sorry. And he speaks English just fine. Um, But they wouldn't let me in the hospital. And I have no idea what's going on. So, man, God works in mysterious ways. I'll tell you this much. Uh, This is a side note. My dad, a couple days after the stroke, which mind you, they think that he had had the stroke about 48 hours before when I actually found him, okay? 
which is a long time, a very long time. So the fact that he has now come out without any major impairments is, is just a miracle. And God was definitely watching over my sweet dad that entire time because uh, in the hospital, of course, when he was by himself, cause I couldn't be there. Um, he tended, he favored his Greek more than he did his English for whatever reason, right? The brain works very interesting. And the emergency doctor on call happened to be Greek and speak Greek. I am from West Michigan where there is nothing but Dutch immigrants here, right? Um, and, and for whatever reason, this doctor who spoke Greek was at the hospital the day my dad went in there. So um, around the same time, my mom was very worried about her dog, Theo, <laughs> Charlie's cousin. And um, Theo's not acting right. And we find out that Theo has cancer and it's not good. It's not good at all. So now my mom's heartbroken. She needs me. My dad has a stroke. He needs me. My cup is empty, but it doesn't matter. I, of course, am going to deal with all of this. A month afterwards, we lost Theo. And, um, well, you guys know I love dogs. <laughs> and, um, but luckily my dad was doing okay. Okay enough to come home, but, you know, it was probably a good idea for me to move in with him. And also because my mom was driving me crazy at the time. Not because she was heartbroken, but because my mom always drives me crazy. I think that's just a mother and daughter thing, right? Um, but I really could only handle one one trauma. And so I was like, I'm going to go and I need to stay with dad. My mom had um, my stepdad and I said, I'm going to go stay with my dad and obviously help him. This is the priority right now, right? Unfortunately, we had already lost Theo, but Theo was gone. And now it's just a matter of mending hearts, which is still mending, but I needed to take care of my dad because this is still a thing. So I move in with him and at this point it's May and I'm realizing, you know what? COVID's not going anywhere. Um, I'm probably not going to get a job anytime soon. And my dad really needs me. So I also need my own space. Once it became clear that he was independent enough to live back on his own, I was like, let me find an apartment close by. So that way, at least I have my own space. I can do my own thing because Lord knows as a 35 year old, I needed my own space. Um, and I was able to find an apartment where I'm at right now, literally a mile away from my dad. So everything was great. When I moved in, the day that I moved in, actually, I saw another girl moving in literally right next door. Her name is Sarah. She's a couple years younger than me, but for all intents and purposes, we're the same age. And Sarah has a dog named Jack. So it was two single girls, two little dogs. And man, thank God. Thank God I had them because, and I still have them because we did, we did quarantine together, right? So in a matter of weeks, I went from coming to visit Michigan for a little bit, for 10 days, that was going to be the max, to, well, I've got a lease. I'm going to be here for a year. <laughs> uh, and let me tell you, living in Michigan, yeah, that was, uh, that's been something. Never one to take a break from work, because again, I am a three on the Enneagram, <laughs> Amidst my dad having a stroke, us being heartbroken over Theo, I decide that I'm going to start selling masks on Charlie Pete. Charlie Pete being my own store that I had started as a side hustle during the transition from radio to television. And wow, 
masks really took off. And I had always had this feeling that if I could devote more time to Charlie Pete, I could be very successful and very good at it. But obviously I was, it was a side hustle because I was doing television and, and I had a career and, and here's the thing I realized in May, June, July of 2020 that holy crap, like this is a thing I could do it. In fact, I was pacing to make more money in my first year doing Charlie Pete with no e-commerce or any type of experience, I was pacing to make more money that year, my very first year, than I had done at the television station. At the television station, I was making decent money too. Um, but quickly, my life became packaging orders. Hold on, before I get to that though, let me just say thank you. If you bought a mask, if you bought clothes, if you bought anything, thank you. Because not only did you help financially, because I financially had prepared to be off for a couple of weeks, <laughs> and this was now turning into a year minimum. Um, so not only did you help me financially, but you also gave me confidence when my life was so stressed and was being destroyed personally, you gave me confidence when you supported that business. So, so thank you. Um, but as the business grew, my life quickly became packaging orders <laughs> and I couldn't hire help because I was, I packaged everything from here, from this apartment, from in my house. And again, we're at the peak of COVID. I can't hire people, strangers to come into my house to what help me package up orders. And at this point I start thinking, I'm like, okay, well maybe I'm done with radio. Maybe I'm done with television. Maybe I need to just plant some roots and just make Charlie Pete my thing. And I had talked with a realtor about finding property because if there is one thing I wish that I would have learned sooner and if I wish I could tell anyone that would listen, it is buy property, invest in some type of condo, whatever that you can. You also only need 3% down payment because if I would have known that, I would have done it much sooner. And if it wasn't for the fact that I did, I had bought and I had sold, um, I would not have had that financial cushion that <laughs> that helped me survive. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some money in a property again and I'm going to buy a house, a place that's got a yard for Charlie and big enough where I could have like maybe like a, a basement or the bottom floor where I could hire some people and they could help me with all of the orders. And, and this was this was going to be it. And and I thought I was OK with that. Right. It was a new adventure. And again, no one in terms of like radio and television was really hiring. I was definitely getting phone calls. I was definitely getting interviews. And I will go into details about <laughs> that because that is. Again, much more tea that needs to be spilled, but we'll do that in another episode. Um, I was on a Zoom call with my friends. No, it was a three-way call. Uh, it doesn't matter. I was talking to my girlfriends, and I remember saying to them very vividly, huh, these words will always haunt me, December 2020. And I said, guys, I said, I feel like I can finally breathe, but I'm telling you, if one more thing happens, I'm going to lose it. Like, find me a place to go to because everything is going to fall apart and <laughs> the worst thing that could have ever happened happened I'm going to spare you a lot of the details because it's just sad and we know how it ends um it was inauguration day and I was sitting actually right over here um and I couldn't believe it man I, I had just posted on my stories about how 
Kamala Harris looked so good and Michelle Obama looked so great. And I, I just had all these feels and I had gotten a phone call from the vet. And it was metastatic carcinoma, which had meant that Charlie had cancer and it had spread to a very unusual place. His skin had kind of broken out. And I asked her, I said, on a scale of one to Theo, right? Theo being my mom's dog. Um, so on a scale of one to Theo, where are we? And she said, we're, we're very close to Theo. He was fine. Charlie was fine, except for he had that little rash on his chest, which I thought were allergies. <laughs> he was fine. The oncologist said three to six months. He made it 19 days. Sorry. <laughs> I put makeup on today. So, well, one, because I was obviously recording this for YouTube, <laughs> um, but also because I thought it would stop me from crying. But that was a funny joke. <laughs> He was gone in 19 days, and uh, and so was I. And in fact, the reason why I wanted to start the Ellen Taylor show on February 8th is because this is such an important day. This is the one-year anniversary of losing him. And I couldn't sit around all day replaying that day in real time. I couldn't do that. So I needed to do something, and I thought... Launching this show, which will also serve as a platform to honor and remember him and help other dogs, which I will share with after I get done crying. <laughs> I thought it's important to start the show on February 8th because we need to make this a, a way of honoring him, but also give myself the permission to start breathing and living again. I spent the last year in my bed <laughs> And when I say in my bed, I mean it. Like, I don't think, I didn't wash my sheets for months. Good luck if I even brushed my teeth every couple of days. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> this was my first big loss, okay? Like, knock on wood. I have both my parents. I haven't experienced a lot. And I made it to 36 years old without experiencing this type of grief. And, wow, I have so much more understanding for the people who can I, I kept thinking about Vanessa Bryant right because Kobe and 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 Gianna had just died and I thought how can this woman continue to live and to breathe and my therapist said I would think that it's because she feels like she needs to stay alive for her other children and I thought wow that makes sense and after that therapy session I said okay well, what do I have to live for I don't have a husband I don't have kids I didn't have a career that I loved that gave me purpose, that even gave me a reason to get up out of bed, to brush my teeth every day. And so I, I went down some very, very dark paths. Um, I got Charlie on August 8, 2008. <laughs> I didn't realize that I had got him on 888 until I was going through some paperwork after he had passed. And um, I thought that was very fitting that I would find that angel number after he had passed, I, I literally had him for 12 and a half years to the day. August 8, 2008, that was also the same time I had started my career, my internship at the radio station, my very first radio station. So Charlie has been with me my entire adult life. We did everything. 
especially because and this is not what was me but like especially because I didn't have a husband I don't have a husband especially because I don't have kids and now I'm spitting all over the place I'm sorry YouTube for that you have to witness that <laughs> I'm a mess um it was just him and I man we went from Grand Rapids to Seattle from radio to television to doing all those things that he was my he's my guy And I think also that like motherly instinct that most women have. He's who I took care of. And so now I just don't still don't really know, you know, what my my purpose is in life. Oh gosh, I've really got to get it together. Okay. Ooh. I want to thank you though, because you that are watching, that are listening that aren't judging me, my friends. Um, not once has anyone made me feel like, God, Ellen, it was just a dog, get over it. And I appreciate that. Because that, I mean, again, it's not like losing a parent. A week before I lost Charlie, my my cousins, who I love very, very much, my dad's brother's kids, <laughs> had to um, had to say goodbye to their dad. I lost my uncle to, to COVID. My dad's only brother a week beforehand. So like they had to bury their dad. And I understand there's a big difference between those two. And so I, again, just want to thank you for letting me (laughs) feel my feels and grieve for my Charlie. Because yeah, he is important to me still. So what are we going to do now moving forward in order to like honor him and things like that? Um you know, the store, I named my store after the two most important men in my life, Charlie and my dad, Pete, Charlie Pete, right? Um, So I want to find a way to incorporate the store, the business, the show into honoring Charlie and also um, helping animals in need. Many of you may know that we are, were uh, a foster family. I wanted to get Charlie a brother or a sister, probably a brother. And I had met the folks at Motley Zoo Animal Rescue at the hometown holiday show when I was working at the Wolf. And I thought, wow, like, why don't I just start fostering? That way we can see if Charlie's going to get along with another dog, which he did. And also I have this big platform. Maybe we can help these dogs find homes quicker, right? And we did 13 doggies later, not all at the same time, we did have three at the same time at one point or another, but anyway, 13 dogs later, uh, we helped these guys, man, find homes. And it was the best thing that I've ever done in my life. If you can find what it is that you can give to without any expectation, or you know that you're not going to get anything in return, I highly suggest you do it and you do it all the time. Um, my condo ended up flooding, Sorry, a little snotty still. The condo that I owned ended up flooding a month after I started the TV station. Well, again, that's another episode. Um, and so when I went back to renting, I wasn't able to foster again. But that was always the plan was to go back to fostering because um, Charlie loved it. I loved it. And that is still the plan. Um, but for right now, I can't foster. So I'm hoping that we can use this platform, right, to to help Motley Zoo Animal Rescue or any other rescue that helps these these dogs um, find homes because I really do believe that dogs are angels on earth. Sorry. 
And whew, I can't just have a show where I do nothing but talk about this terrible shit that's happened to me over the last couple of years. I promise this won't be every episode. But again, in order to get to where we're going, we need to talk about where we've been. So that brings us to now. The Ellen Taylor Show, one year after losing Charlie. So where do we go from here? I had a lot of this first show mentally kind of scripted out in my head. (laughs) and I I spent so much time trying to perfect the first episode and then I turned on the microphone and I started crying in your ears and on your screens and (laughs) I think that that is just perfect I'm gonna say perfectly imperfect oh my god I kind of cringe I I can't believe I I just said something so chooky is chooky still a thing I love tiktok (laughs) um the Ellen Taylor show is something that I really believe would have happened many, many years ago. Maybe not many, many, because I'm not that old or old. Um, I think it would have definitely happened by now if I was a boy, if I was a man. I do. Um, But it's here. It's long overdue. I feel a little bit, I'm going to be honest, okay? I feel resentful that I need to do this myself on one side. I feel very resentful, okay? I can make a joke about it. I have these stupid little things, right? Like, oh, you know, if I was a guy, I would have had my own show. If and I you play the fun little clip and you make light of the situation, but you know, it sucks. It sucks. I'm going to say it. It sucks because I'm mad that I need to do this myself because <laughs> I think about a lot of the people who had jobs after I left, who still have jobs. And I'm envious, right? Uh, There is one characteristic about myself that I hate, absolutely despise, and it is that I am jealous. I do not like to admit it often, but I am aware that I am jealous. But I also believe in karma and in it is karma's responsibility to take care of those people and those people will be taken care of and I need to not stress and worry about it because that will all get taken care of in its own manner. That is that is karma's problem to deal with, right? On the other hand, I am so excited that I'm doing this myself because if we've learned through the last two years, it's that, right, we can do anything ourselves. We don't need these corporations, these companies to back us. Would I love to get back into it? Yeah, for the right situation. You know, I had someone offer me a job and I'm not, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. They offered, their, the what they wanted to pay me was my, what my first co, what my first host was paying. Was, I'm sorry. I'm so mad I can't even talk. I was offered a job this last summer and the pay, what they wanted to pay me was what, my first host was making back in 2007 amidst the financial crisis. And this man who, again, gave me my start and I appreciate and, and, and admire, this is not poo-pooing on him, but he did not have the experience then that I have now. But this company wanted to give me my own show, but pay me what he was making almost 15 years ago. And then they were offended that I said no. <laughs> What? So 
I'm I'm thankful that I don't have to have a company that's behind me. Is that to say that I will never go back into radio and television? Absolutely not, man. And I know that there are a lot of folks that are in management opportunities and in hiring positions that are watching and scoping this out because the second I announced that I was going to be back at it, all of a sudden my phone, which had been dead for a year because no one was calling me, all of a sudden blew up. Oh, Ellen, I've got a job opportunity for I've got something for you. I've got something better for you. Oh, now you come around? <laughs> okay. Um, but... If you're one of those people who slid into my DMs or texted me and said, hey, I've got a job opportunity for you, still interested in talking to you, but it's going to be for the right situation, right? And uh, fair pay, because here we go. We don't, we don't need to settle anymore. And especially for you ladies that are listening, that are watching, I really am looking forward to sharing these stories with you where I jokingly say I'm going to spill the tea, but really it's... It's experiences that I wish that I would have heard about or known about when I was in it uh, because, man, uh, companies like to take advantage of those that are naive, right? Not all companies are bad. I'm not trying to poo-poo on all of them, but I would love to use this platform and this show to educate you on a lot of things and, and just show you the realities of it, especially now that I really don't have anything to lose. <laughs> so um, are we only going to talk about taking down the man? No, absolutely not. Are we going to cry every episode? No. Although I am kind of a crier now. <laughs> I promise I w- it won't be like that all the time. Um, it's going to be fun. This is going to be like I said, your escape. I cannot wait to introduce you to some of my great friends. I'm a firm believer in you are the company that you keep. And I've got some really cool friends that are doing really great things. And I cannot wait to introduce you to them. Um, a lot of times it's just going to be me and you talking about things. What's life going on? What's happening in our worlds right now? Also, dare I say, getting excited about the future I'm going to share something. I've actually shared a lot. Here we go. Um, I was supposed to make a move last July. So July 21. My God, the years get jumbled. And then I was supposed to make a move in February of 2022. So now. And that has been pushed because of COVID and other reasons. Um, (laughs) And because I thought I was dying, actually. I had a very, uh, I had a cancer scare. I will talk about that in another episode. Um, Last December, I'm okay. Um, But it got pushed back. So the plan is still to make this move. I can't say where, but I can say that it's exciting and that you're going to want to come along for this. Um, And that I'm so thankful and happy to you to be able to have a platform where I can share all of these things. And hopefully you can live vicariously through me, which sounds very self-serving, but really I wouldn't have the energy or the desire to keep living if it wasn't for you. I'm never, I was never going to do anything to myself. Let me say this. I, okay. And then we're going to stop crying. I was never going to do anything to myself. It is against my religion, okay? I am Greek Orthodox, and um, we believe that if someone were to take their own life, they do not, um, how do I say this? I believe that 
in heaven, one day I will be able to see Charlie again. If I were to choose to take my own life, then I would never see Charlie again. Okay. Um, so I would never have done anything, but it got so bad to the point where I would close my eyes and I would have been okay if I didn't wake up. Ugh. And when I slowly started to have the energy to come back to Instagram and just post stories with text and, and to see that you were still there, man, huh, made me feel good. When I announced I was starting my own show, after two years of being off the air, I thought I was going to get crickets. And the fact that this was so well received not only means a lot, um, there are no words to describe uh, describe it. So thank you. I am not going to be this bubbling mess every single time. My therapist and my friend Sarah next door, my neighbor Sarah, you'll hear a lot about her. They both say that, you know, I need to stop apologizing. <laughs> But it is very uncomfortable. It's very hard to sit with someone uh, in their grief and in their feelings. So thank you for sitting with me as I share what has happened over the last two years. I understand that we've all been through a lot and I appreciate you making enough space in your life and your time and in your day to, to hear what my life looked like. Moving forward, the Ellen Taylor Show happens every Tuesday, wherever podcasts are heard on YouTube. This is also why, again, I promise I'm not going to cry all the time because I've got a camera in front of me. <laughs> Everything you need about the show is at ellentaylor.com. And I think I'm going to use this little outro music. Why not? We started the podcast with this music. Let's end it this way too. EllenTaylor.com. I cannot thank you enough for being here. Day one, episode one of the Ellen Taylor show. Oh my gosh, it's real. It's in the books. 